Welcome to Korean True Crime with me, your host, Mimi Mizuko. What was that? Today's episode is something new, and it's going to be a short break from our usual topics of murder and tragedy. Today, we're going to take a deep dive into the history of tattooing in Korea. If you're watching my video podcast, you may notice that I have a sticker on my arm that's coming off. This is actually a tattoo that I got two days ago, and it has some sanoderm on it, so just ignore that. But I've gotten five tattoos here in Korea, and it's made me wildly interested in the history of tattoos and why they're criminalized to this day. If you're wondering what this topic has to do with true crime, then you may be surprised to learn that tattooing is still an illegal practice in South Korea. In March of this year, 2022, in a 5-4 vote, the Korean Constitutional Court upheld the ban on tattooing, stating that the ban shall remain because tattooing is an unsafe practice with potential health side effects. Now, of course, tattooing can still happen in Korea, but there is a large stipulation on this ban. The tattoo artist must be a licensed doctor and very seldom are doctors the ones working in a tattoo parlor. So there lies the issue that tattoo artists have. But is the aversion to tattoos in Korea really a medical concern about public safety? Or does this go deeper into Korean history? Let's find out. We're beginning in the year 200 BCE, during the ancient period of the Gojoseon era on the Korean Peninsula. Pictures drawn on skin with ink and needle were referenced in some of the oldest surviving records in Korean history. They kept folklore, stories, traditions, they identified, and they healed. But there aren't any surviving tattoos or pieces of art, such as the surviving mummified bodies in ancient Egypt. But what we do have is the response to the tradition of tattooing that tells us just how prevalent this art form was. For the sake of convenience, I'm going to refer to the peninsula as Korea to simplify this history lesson. But just know, the peninsula has had many names throughout history. As Korea entered the Samhan period, also known as the Three Kingdoms, Chinese influence began to creep into the northern portion of the peninsula. As Chinese people migrated from the Shang Dynasty's rule into northern Korea, so did their beliefs about tattoos. The Eight Prohibitions, which was enacted in mainland China at the time, became law in one of the northern kingdoms, while the southern Korean kingdoms continued the tradition of tattooing. The Eight Prohibitions detailed laws that had strict punishments. Only three of them survived today while the other five have been lost to time. First, those who commit murder shall be put to death immediately. Second, those who cause injury must compensate with grain. Third, those who steal will be enslaved or pay recompense. None of the surviving rules mention tattoos, but in reference to these eight rules, some surviving records detail the outlawing of permanent ink on a person's skin. Keep in mind that Confucian beliefs heavily influence these decisions, but we'll get into that a little bit later when Korea adopts the belief system. Going into the Goryeo dynasty of 918 CE, a large time jump happens with no mentions whatsoever about tattoos. Then another large wave of Chinese immigration happens and tattooing becomes outright outlawed for the entire peninsula. 
So how did they go from just the Northern Kingdom's outlying tattoos to the entire peninsula? Well, that's where the Confucian beliefs come into play. If you've read about Confucianism or believe in it, then you may know about filial piety. This is the belief system of respecting your elders, but not just in a like kind manners way. The belief extends to your physical body being a gift by your ancestors that you must respect and take care of. So, as traditional tattoos were changed to be seen as savage or disrespectful, the laws began to reflect that as well. One particular law during the Goryeo dynasty read, Those who return from exile shall have letters engraved on their face and be exiled until after the end of their original sentence. Meaning, if an outcast or imprisoned person went against their sentencing or returned to the land, they'd be branded on their face with a symbol outing them as a criminal to be shunned from society. As the Goryeo dynasty ended and the Joseon dynasty thrived in the 1300s, King Sejong became the ruler of Korea. He's positively remembered and even has his own holiday because of his invention of the modern Korean alphabet called Hangul. However, under his ruling, tattooing continued to be used a way of not only marking criminals, but of marking someone worthless or evil. And in that darkness, one woman stood out as a leader of a minor tattoo trend and a certified badass. In the years 1440 to 1480, I'm talking about A U Dong, a woman poet, calligrapher, writer, Gisang, similar to a geisha or courtesan trained in arts and politics, and a dancer. Udong had many a scandalous rendezvous and was known for her identifiable tattoos. And you'll learn more about that soon. Udong was born to a wealthy family and was married when she was a teenager to a very wealthy elite man. However, their marriage didn't last very long and her husband divorced her. As it was difficult for women to work at this time or remarry, she became a courtesan of her own choice. Rumors have it that her husband divorced her because when she was purchasing some silver jewelry, she stopped by the shop and was overtaken by her feelings of love at the sight of the jeweler that she returned later to his shop to get a little bit more than jewelry. She pretended to be a servant girl and had an affair that was unfortunately discovered. While it's unknown if this event really did occur, it does kind of fit into her overall story. Of course, her real name wasn't udon. Udon is the Korean word for udon Japanese noodles, and those are noodles that she absolutely loved. When she became single, she decided to change her name to udon and live a carefree life. As she worked as a courtesan, she dated many a different man. Some were casual and some were more serious, but it seemed like she didn't want to settle down. She was enjoying her life, and she had the education from her royal upbringing and from being married to a wealthy elite man, which made her even more desirable as a courtesan. Men came to her admiring her poetry, her geography skills, political knowledge, so much that royal scholars and even women visited her for her company or her poetry services. Whether she enjoyed the popularity 
or not, she began to pretend she was a kisang and offered secret sex work on the side for some of those wealthy men. Some of these men adored her so much, she convinced them to get her name secretly tattooed on their bodies. This would become her signature. She herself didn't actually have any tattoos, but she had the tattoos of her name on so many of her lovers. Many powerful or wealthy, usually married. As time went on, her poetry became much more salacious and risque too. Too risque for the general public's opinion, and later would be criticized as smut. And it wasn't long for a scandal to emerge, as the elite men she was offering her services to, like I said, were married men. The king at the time, King Songjong, had all of the men who entered her business arrested for adultery or purchasing services from a sex worker. Udong denied all of the claims, of course, to save herself, but the king decided to use her as an example. The king reasoned if he let her go with a slap on the wrist, other people would continue to commit adultery and offer those services. Some of the men who had her name tattooed on them stood up for her until the very end when she was given the death penalty. Confucian scholars demanded the death penalty. They were very vocal about it, regardless of the fact that King Songjong himself thought that it was too severe. Tattoos would almost disappear in historical records, except for for criminal punishment. But with any outcasting act, people would begin to reclaim it as a symbol of their plight. Beginning in the 1800s into the Japanese occupation of 1910 to 1945, criminal families began to form in East Asia that created unique tattoos to set themselves apart from one another. I'm sure you've heard of the Yakuza. During the 35 years Korea was under imperial Japanese ruling, Korea was subjected to labor slavery and sex slavery. We are aren't going to go into the crimes under Japanese rule today, but if you want some book suggestions, I'll put them in the description of this episode. Korean people were fleeing to Japan, looking for better jobs and a better life, trying to escape slavery. The Yakuza, however, had branches in Korea already, even being ruled by Hayashi, a Korean man who defected to Japanese rule and rose up in the ranks of the Yakuza. Rivaling Hayashi's Yakuza was Ku Majok, a leader in the Korean mafia. As time went on, the Korean mafia didn't succeed financially, and more gangs tried to take control, as former Korean mafia members formed the Twin Knives Gang. Of course, their tattoo was a symbol of Twin Knives Crossing. The Twin Knives Gang stood opposed to the Yakuza, and during this time had violent and symbolic resistance against Japanese control in Korea. As they neared the end of Japanese control, a Korean teenage boy named Kim Doohan, a lowly member of a gang called Jumo, or The Fist, killed the leaders of all of the Korean mafia and seized control of all Korean gangs at the age of 18. He stood with power against the Yakuza, beginning a war between the Korean gangs and the Yakuza, a final resistance against Japanese control. Since then, tattoos have had a negative connotation associated with gangs and crime syndicates, but there is a rise in popularity of tattooing in South Korea, especially gang-style or prison-style tattooing, with face and neck tattoos not being that uncommon amongst the youth. But if you visit South Korea, it's very unlikely that you're actually going to see a gang member, with most of the tattooed people you're seeing just being fans of rock or hip-hop. 
Mob. One of the only known surviving gangs, Chilsung Pa, or the Seven Stars Gang, operates mainly out of Busan, the southern part of South Korea, and they've been in trouble for extorting businesses like construction businesses. Since 1992, it has been illegal to tattoo without a medical license in South Korea. This doesn't mean that tattoo parlors on the peninsula don't exist. They do. But it remains a gray area, and enforcement of the law is entirely subject to the whims of the government and the police. Some young men actually choose to get large tattoos to escape military service as they're banned. But you can get in a lot of trouble for getting a tattoo to avoid your mandatory military service. With over 20 thousand tattoo shops operating in South Korea today over social media accounts like Instagram, it's not hard to find an amazingly talented tattoo artist. These hard-working tattoo artists are fighting for their art form to be legalized and recognized by the government. But until the government recognizes that their beliefs are rooted in a past that Korea has long since evolved past, tattooing will remain criminal. See you next time on Korean True Crime with me, your host, Mimi Mizuko.